Thank you, <coughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. And, and again, I wanted just to honor, I just waved to me first. Let me see all of you beautiful people. It takes a few moments with the lighting to be able to see all of you beautiful people in the back. And uh, it is an honor for me to be back with the Northland family. And uh, just, uh, you have been part of this. We do this together. I actually just talked to Pastor Greg right before the service. In May, we are heading back again, actually. And it's the reason I shared this video. On Friday, I was driving down to Columbus to see my CPA. And at the moment, I felt the Holy Spirit says, it is time to walk on water again. It is time to get out of the boat, and it is time to walk on water. And at that moment, I just realized that there was a place. And so the place that we were not able to reach, there's an area where there's about a million and a half people for 2,000 years, not one missionary, not one intercessor, nobody's been able to penetrate this area. And it was in the Time magazine years ago, and I saw it, and I felt it is time to turn on the light because it is so dark. But for 10 years, we've not been able to do it. And the story here was for nine months, we did everything that we could. I had everything from pneumonia to my ear, vertical. It was attack, attack, attack. It was storm after storm after storm, including the war that broke loose between India and Pakistan. And then eventually the event got canceled. The whole stadium is not even rain season. The clouds follows us for 12 hours. You could see it on the satellite and flooded the whole stadium. And we have the picture. And the enemy was just smiling. And it seemed like the enemy was winning, but it is not over yet. I'm heading back again. So, and that just happened. That's why I showed this video, because the message today is going to be connected to uh, the crossover season and how to deal with storms and serpents. And I'm so excited that next month, officially, my book, The Love Awakening, is going to be released. And uh, yes. And I, I am looking for a group of ambassadors of love that can represent the king very well. That they learn the language of love, that is the language the blind eyes can see and the deaf ears can hear. So uh, I wanted just to give that away. Tom, I think you are the one that received the upgrade today. Your upgrade is confirmed. Yeah. <laughs> so we have... We have some of those books out on the table, and I know that uh, Pollyanne and Kaylee is here, but I'm very excited about that book because uh, it took about uh, two years during the COVID-19 where I realized the tsunami wave of love that is about to sweep the world, where the world is going to see who we are because the way we learn how to love one another. And I, know, I believe with all of my heart that we are in the greatest harvest that the world has ever seen. And so today I'm just sensing there's been something in my spirit, giving a little bit of background of the sermon. Uh, we uh, went to the Middle East and I was here after I came home from Pakistan just in the end of November and earlier in December. And I showed a testimony of some of the things that God was doing. But in the middle of it, it is the battle you fight after the battle you won. How many of you are experiencing that? I mean, it, so sometimes there's the battle you fight before the battle you win, and other times there's the battle you fight after the battle you won. And often what is happening is it starts with fatigue, because the enemy is trying to wear you out. And after the fatigue, then he pushes the button of fear. And fear is false evidences appearing real. When fear comes in, then the enemy goes in and he blackmails you and said you failed. And then he isolates you forsaken, and you feel you are the only one that is struggling. 
And, and it is not correct. This is not the proper perspective. But that was happening with me. I came from the Middle East and the battlefield and came home. And finally, we're going to have rest. We have Sabbath. We're bringing in all of our family from Norway. My daughters are coming home and our future son-in-law. And guess what happened? We got COVID, everyone. So we were home during Christmas with COVID and it was like one hit after the other. And then our house got hit by lightning. And from there, it just got worse. And then eventually, by the time I got early January and I'm about to start the year and trying to figure out, God, what do you have to say about this year? And that's when this message came in. And he, he started to talking about some of the storms, that there's two primary storms going on in the world right now. And he says, I want you to learn how to navigate and to becoming a student of the storms because there's something beautiful on the other side. And there's two different storms going on, and we're going to look at both of them. And I know for the sake of time, we're going to be limited to, uh, to be able to break it down in details. So instead, what I'm going to give some core principle. But we're going to read quite a few scripture verses. So if you have your Bible with you, and I know that you have both with having a pastor, Greg, and uh, Pastor Michelle here. You have both an apostolic father and a prophetic mother of this house. One of the things that, I'm not saying it is intimidating because I'm just going to be me, but I mean, you have the scholar himself sitting in front of you. <laughs> I'm getting a doctor degree in theology right now, and I'm often coming and asking Greg, I mean, Greg, what does this mean? So, so you have a pastor that definitely should have an honor degree in, doctor degree in theology, because... Uh, my goodness, he is, he is a scholar. But I feel like there are some gold nuggets that we're going to get. So if you open up your Bible to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, and this is verse 35, and we're going to read through verse 41. On the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Say that with me. Say, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they left the multitudes, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats was also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. Say the word pillow. This is a key word. Say pillow. <laughs> and they awoke him and they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Anybody have felt that way in the last two years? <laughs> God, where are you? Then he arose and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? It's like asking a fish, why do you swim? Or an eagle, why do you soar? I mean, it should be very obvious. Why are you so fearful? And how is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly. The first time they had fear, but this time they feared exceedingly. This is an upgrade in fear. And they said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? So let's just, if I can just take about six, seven minutes just on the first passage, then we begin to the second. 
First of all, this is the kind of a storm when you and I, we are in the middle of God's will. It starts with Jesus saying, let us go to the other side. This is not that you, you're sowing what you reap. And by the way, for many people are saying you're sowing what you reap. I believe that you're actually, you're, you're reaping what you sow. But I believe that you also can reap what Jesus sown. So that's the law of the harvest. So just being aware of Jesus in the middle of it. But what we are seeing with his disciples, they are right in the middle of God's will. And he said, let us go to the other side. They're right in the middle of God's will. And by the way, Jesus, he goes on board the boat together with them, knowing there is going to be a storm. How does he know there's going to be a storm? Because he's bringing his pillow with him. So I don't know in 2019 when we had all the prophets says 2020 for 2020, this is going to be the year of breakthrough. And instead it became the year of breakdown. Yeah. We were supposed to shine instead of we were whining. Yeah. And, and everything was opposite. So we're moving into 2020 and we enter into in the middle of a storm and people in the middle of the storm. There's so many things and the way we react. And, and we're going to look at the two different storms that I believe is going on. One is a storm and one is actually a serpent. And we need a discernment to know the difference. And because actually for you as an eagle Christian, a storm is a friend, but a serpent is an enemy. And a lot of us, we think that when the storm is coming, we are trying to rebuke the storm or fighting against the storm instead of learning the lessons that God has for us in the middle of the storm. So, so, so whatever overwhelms you, shapes you. And you can be overwhelmed by Jesus. You can be overwhelmed by love and it will shape you. Or you can be overwhelmed by fear and fear will shape you. So the question is, what is overwhelming you in this season? And for these disciples who were seasoned fishermen, as they're getting in the boat, there's water in the boat and there's strong wind that is on the outside and they are about to drown. And in the middle of it, as I'm saying, that there's three different types of storms going on. First of all, there is a physical storm, and there is a physical storm going on in America. There is a physical storm going on in Ukraine. Just ask. You don't have to turn on the news. There is a reality. There is a real storm going on all over the world right now. And if we had a time, I would look at about nine different types of storms that is hitting worldwide and is affecting all of us. But it's also individual storms that we're going through. So there is a physical storm. The second storm that you see, there is an emotional storm. The Bible says they were afraid. And it's a reality. So be honest about your emotion, what you are feeling. That we are living in a season where there's a lot of drainers instead of gainers. And a lot of things is burning up your energy in this season. Could I say that one more time? In this season, there is a lot of drainers, meaning things that is burning up energy. And very few gainers. And you need to be aware of what is recharging your emotional tank and what is actually draining your emotional tank. Because the enemy is trying to wear you out. The first storm that we're going to learn is you're going to learn how to rest. And you're going to learn the weapon of rest as your warfare. And how to rest, how to wear the enemy out. That's going to be the key. Could I say that one more time? This first lesson here, the primary things we as students of the storm, we are going to learn the hard work of rest. So if Jesus is bringing the pillow, we're going to learn to bring the pillow. 
And it's just interesting that he brought the pillow, meaning intentionally Jesus decided in the middle of this storm, I am going to sleep, I'm going to rest in the middle of the storm. How could you do that, Jesus? Because the reality, there is water in the boat. The reality, there is a COVID-19. The reality, there is a war going on. The reality, there is inflation. The reality, when I filled gas, it was $90 yesterday. I mean, this is the reality. And some of it I wouldn't even put into the category of what a storm is. But some of it, the reality, we're in the middle of a storm and it is affecting all of us. And all I want is making sure that all of the people at the Northland family, that we know how to navigate these two storms well. And your family and your business and everything else. And also to help the world to navigate this storm well so we can get on the other side because there's something very good on the other side. So the first lesson is, what is the Word of God before you're getting into the storm? Because it is important for us to be anchored in the Word of God. Like what you saw on the video here, and that's why I played this video, I had a word to going into this place. It looked like the enemy was winning, but the byproduct of it, when I got to the other side and I didn't give up, there were several times I wanted to give up. I was dying three different times. And it's a long story. By the time I got to the other side, the news media says, why are you here? Because no foreigners is allowed to be in Pakistan. And I said, well, because I love Pakistan. And the news media came up and they started to interview me and they're saying, how can you be here? Because you are here where India is about, the bombers here. And I said, because I'm giving my life for Pakistan. And it became a public thing that the governor and eventually the Senate and then eventually the president heard. Before I have talked about the message of love, but there is no greater love than the one that would just give his life for his friends. And we have an opportunity now to demonstrate what love looks like. And the byproduct of that, the platform was one day I was able to share with 60 million people. The good news. So if there was not for the bad news, I wouldn't have had the good news. If there was not for the breakdown, I wouldn't have the breakthrough. If there was not for Friday, I wouldn't experience a Sunday. And some of us, we've had a Saturday moment, and that's what these disciples are going in. So the second thing is, what is Jesus doing in the middle of your storm? Watch what Jesus is doing in the middle of all the things that is taking place. Number one was, what is the Word of God that He says? And He said, let us go to the other side. He is not going to drown in the middle of the storm. It's an impossibility. By my stripes you are healed. Just look at the Word of God over your life, no matter what the circumstances. What did He say? And faith comes from hearing. Continue to listen to what He has to say. And then the second thing is, watch what Jesus is doing and what Jesus is doing. He is resting. And when He is resting, guess what you and I need to do? Enter into the hard work of rest. Why is Jesus asleep and rest? Because where the Father is, there is rest. And all he does is what he sees the Father do. The identity of being sons and daughters and recognizes what the Father is doing instead of what he is not doing. And it is so easy for us to see what the enemy is doing. Or even to see what God is not doing. And then we're saying the Republican, the Democrats, or this group, or that group, or this and that, because we're not seeing what the Father is doing. And we're not hearing what the Father is. Because the sound of the wind... And the overwhelmingness of the water in our bowl, overwhelming us so much that we're not hearing that still small voice. And you need to understand that peace is moving. 
So when Jesus says, peace be still, it's because peace is moving. And there's peace moving right now, but he's looking for people that have authority over the storms you can sleep in. And the only way we can speak to the storm that is on the outside is to deal with the storms on the inside. And I have some storms on the inside, and lately it's just been like a hurricane on the inside. 4.30 tomorrow morning, I will wake up. 7 o'clock, take a flight to Miami. From there, heading into Havana, Cuba. Then drive at noontime tomorrow, we'll be driving into Matanza. Cuba is going through one of the worst storms. 30 years, devastation. Doctors are doing surgery without anesthesia. There's no medicine Got to go into Havana, a city of two million people. There is not even an ibuprofen to find. It's a horrific situation in the middle of a storm. But I realize in the middle of the storm, we're going to raise up people that have the authority to be able to speak to the storms that is on the outside because we're going to deal with the storms that are on the inside. There is physical storms. Name your physical storms. They are real. Could be finances, can be relationship, can be your business, it can be so many things. But name also your emotional storm. What's going on? What do you feel? What does your heart say? But the worst storm is there's spiritual storms. That's the most painful. Where are you? Jesus! Don't you see what's going on? Don't you see what I'm feeling? Don't you see the nights that I'm awake? Don't you see? Jesus, where are you? You're, it seems like you're so distant. I'm calling 911. But there's no answer. So a couple of lessons here. Watch what Jesus is doing, and he is resting. And what I'm trying to learn to do in this season, because I feel this is what we need for the second storm. The first storm, we need to learn how to enter into the hard work of rest, finding that resting place with Jesus in the middle of everything that's going on. Don't fight the storm. Find rest in the middle of the storm. Standing on his word, watch what Jesus is doing. And then eventually, Jesus, don't you care? And we know Jesus, he spoke to the storm and he says, be still, be still. And he says, what? why are you afraid? And then the disciples were exceedingly afraid. And I think this is another element that I just want to add. It's not necessarily a bad one, but I do believe what they got was this awe in the awesomeness of who he is, that he can speak to the storm. Sometimes we can be so familiar with the one we just worshiped this morning that we're forgetting about that the King of kings and the Lord of lords is in this house. The healer of every disease in this room is in this house. The carrier of every sorrow is in this house. The very one that is the Prince of Peace. And upon his shoulder, the kingdom rests. He is here in this house. So from a moment we can have him as a buddy, as a savior, all of those things. But there's a shift in the season when they recognize what he's doing. And we are entering into a season at Northland. You're going to be such in awe in the awesomeness of who he is. And I'm saying a healthy fear of the Lord sets you free from fear for anything else. I know there's so many things I wanted to share from this passage, but I have to jump to the next one because there's so much oil on that one. <laughs> Are you guys okay? 
So just there's a couple of things here. The first storm here, it is a storm. And for us as believers, what Jesus is inviting us into is learning how to rest in this storm because we're going to need it. That's connected to this season for you to fill up oil, oil of intimacy, so that you can burn brightly without burning out. And what the enemy wants you to do is to burn up your energy in the middle of this storm and getting involved and being distracted. And in the next moment, you're staying outside your lane. Stay within your lane. Your anointing rests upon your assignment. And your assignment is connected to your alignment. Stay within your lane. The second storm, Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made, say the word made. This is Matthew 14, verse 22. Jesus made his disciple get into the boat and go before him. Jesus made his disciple get into the boat and go before him to the other side. While he sent the multitudes away, and when he sent the multitudes away, he went up to the mountain by himself, say by himself, to pray. Now when evening came, when evening came, he was alone. Say alone. It's another key principle we're going to see here. He was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea. It was tossed by the waves and the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch, say fourth watch, of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled saying, it is a ghost. And they cried out of fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and says, Lord, if, say if, say if. Oh, if God would just show up, or if God would just heal me, or if God would just send me a check right now, if. All the what ifs. And the longer it is, if you're getting into the fourth watch, the louder the what if gets. It's maybe soft in your first watch, but when you're getting to the second and third, the fourth watch, it is a lot of what if. If, if, if. This is not even a good faith statement. Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. Say the word come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on water to Jesus. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and he caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? And I'm thinking about, Judas, you are in the boat. You should be the one with a little faith. I mean, come on. Peter, he's walking on water. Little faith? Looking in the mirror myself, if that's little faith, what is big faith? Whew, Jesus. <clears throat> and immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said, Oh, oh, you little faith. Why do you doubt? Doubt. 
And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those who were in the boat came and they worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. And then you're moving into what happened when they got on the other side. Crowds came along. They heard the story. They saw it. And anyone that touched them, they got healed. So on the other side, say the other side. So we are in a crossover season. We are no longer who we used to be, but we have not yet become what we are supposed to become. Have you noticed that? Personally speaking, how many of you, as I say, you're no longer who you used to be, but you have not yet become what you're supposed to become. Just wave. And I know that this is identified with most of us because we are. The world is going through change and transition. Church is going through change and transition. Governments are going through it. The whole world is going through it. The second biggest transition in world's history. And as I say, we are in a crossover season. But it is important for us to see these two stories. In one of the stories, as I said, Jesus is actually in the boat and he is with us in this boat. The second here that we are talking about, Jesus is actually making them going into the boat. Knowing that this boat is going to go into a storm. Knowing they are not going to be able to see Jesus. But even, listen, even if you cannot see Jesus, doesn't mean that Jesus can't see you. Jesus went up on the mountain to pray. I guarantee you, the mountain, when he's looking for that mountain, he sees you. And he is there interceding in behalf of you. He's so connected to what is happening to you right there at that moment. So when he went up there, he is not distant. He's very, very close, both to the Father, but close to you. He's keeping his eye on you. So in the middle of what's taking place in this storm, as I'm saying, they, first of all, they went into the boat, and they're also heading into the other side. This storm comes along, and then in the middle of it, they feel like they are drowning by this contrary wind. The first thing I wanted to talk about for a few moments, and we're going to take about 15, maybe 30 seconds, and we're going to praise them for a few moments. One of the things that I had to do including what I just watched on the video, I had to go back again to all the storms that I've been through where he took me to the other side. From depressions to broken neck, broken back, body cast, 11 years on opiates. And I just went through the list and my list is very long. But this sitting in the body cast, not knowing if I'm going to walk again. The financial storms in 2008 and 9. And we could just go through the list. And if you're making a list of all the different storms, and I want you to know you are here. You made it so far. He's been faithful so far. So before you are facing some of the storms you're in, it is time for us to go back to the memorial stones and recognize that you've been through some storms in the past. And let us just stand to our feet for a few moments. And I want us just to thank him. I want us just to thank him for full of gratitude. You are here. And he has been faithful so far in your life. Life is maybe not easy, but God is good. So we just wanted to give you Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Holy, holy, holy. You are faithful. You are glorious. You are my healer. You are my provider. You are my strength. You are my sufficiency. You are my joy in the middle of my sorrow. You are, you are, you are. And the world around us will say, he is. Whoa. 
And I just wanted as a homework, as part of this school, you may be seated for a few moments, but I want you to make a list of all the different things that he has done. Of all the different things for a moment for me, I have a sciatica going on right now and there's other areas. And then I just remembered in my memory stone, the first time I experienced a creative miracle, I was sitting there with Bill Johnson and Randy Clark and Bill had just come up to teach at the Methodist Church, Washington Crossing United Methodist Church. And then as Bill started to share, I've had broken nine times my leg and it lacked 10 degree doroflexes. So when I walked, it threw off my back because I couldn't kick off. And it was fused together. I'm just sitting in the service and I heard the testimony of Jesus. And that's the spirit of prophecy, what God did for that person that was testified, do it for me. And I'm sitting by the side of Randy and I'm looking at my foot. I said, Randy, look at this. And Randy says, I can do that. I said, no, you have not all these years, I've not been able to do this since my accident. And then the miracle happened right after that. I'm thinking about as I'm going into Cuba. In the earlier days, it was dark in Cuba. I was sneaking through some allies because the communists was watching and, and they were wiring my room and I sneaked through alleys. I was alone and then they had an old clunk of record. They put me in the car so nobody saw, drove me far outside Havana in the middle of nowhere and you're laying there in that car and then we drove out into this field and there's no lights, no electricity, nothing. And then suddenly when they open up and I can suddenly come out of the car. There's nobody around. And suddenly this little light of this generator came on and there's about 200 people there in the middle of a field, in the middle of nowhere in Cuba. And then this lady is sitting on the front there and this lady is paralyzed. And in the next moment, she's been through a storm. For 19 years, she's been paralyzed. And I said, I, I, I want to dance. And she said, I don't know how to dance. I'm paralyzed. And the translator went back four times. This time it was the grace of God. It, it was the gift of faith. It's only happened about five times in my life. But I knew what was going to happen. And four times as I want you to dance, she says, I can't, I'm paralyzed. And by the fifth time when she stood up on the wheelchair and we danced there in Cuba in front of everybody and the presence of Jesus hit, the glory of God hit. And later on when we have a picture, we have a picture of an angel, not orbs, an angel, there's a picture that showed up. Why do, I, why do I talk about that? Because I'm going to Cuba tomorrow. I'm going to face the memory stone because I'm heading right in the middle of a storm. And I have to remember His faithfulness in all the previous storms that I've been in. Because in the moment when I cannot see, in the moment I cannot hear, all I have left is memory. And when the enemy is trying to, force, to forget about the faithfulness of God, so make a list of it and starts to rehearse it and starts to speak it out loud and get so overwhelmed by His faithfulness and get an attitude of gratitude. It's going to give you joy back. In His presence, there is fullness of joy. Show. Jesus was alone there. Part of the reason he was alone there is to teach us when we are alone. To learn it to find in our loneliness. When we are alone, it's just us and him. He was alone there. Another thing you're going to see that's connect these, these disciples they didn't fight with one another. In these storms, we don't have the time. You don't have the John and Peter tendency. They're trying to learn how to survive. 
And I believe that surviving is an important thing in the middle of the storm. But to be a student of the storm is more than being a survivor of the storm. It's learning the nutrients and getting everything that he has for me, throwing overboard the things that is not needed for this next season. Now on the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him, they were troubled saying, it is a ghost. I just wanted to share that with the Northland family. The way that he is going to show up sometimes in this season is not the way that he did in the previous season. And when he has been with the Father and he's been praying for you, he's showing up in ways and, and it's going to be important for us to adjust ourselves to the dove because the dove will not adjust itself to you. We have to adjust ourselves to his presence and just recognize when the wind blows, we move with the wind. Recognizing when the cloud comes and how to steward. Holy, holy, holy. And it looked like a ghost coming by. There's a couple of lessons that I want us to capture here because we know with the Simon story and the Peter and part of what we were talking about, the first storm was connected to learning to rest. This one is learning actually in opposition when the enemy is trying to stop you to fulfill your destiny. There's a calling over your life. There's a calling over your family. There's a calling over your business. And the, the enemy comes in to kill, steal, and destroy while Jesus is directing you to a life and life abundantly on the other side. John 10, 10. So in the middle of those different things, you maybe feel, wow, this is a ghost, but Peter comes in if. And I just want to talk a little bit about what if, what if, what if. And sometimes we put a what if on our fears. What if I get caught in Cuba tomorrow when I land? What if they take everything away? What if they shut down everything? What if I get arrested? What if, and the list just goes on. Instead of I can look when I put my what if on my faith, the what if goes in both places. What if I get to walk on water? What if there is a breakthrough on the other side? What if the glory is going to come into Havana? What if there's going to be a tsunami wave of love sweeping the island of Cuba and Cuba is going to be the key to North Korea? What if? One of them paralyzes me, the other one gives me life. But he says, if this is you. If. What if? Jesus says, come. And I think that one of the most important thing in this season, just listen, one word changes everything. And sometimes we want some explanation. We want some confirmation, but your confirmation is in the word. So when he says, go, uh, my question is just, I go. I don't need something written on the wall. I don't need five prophets to call me. I'm not saying that we should not get confirmed that the word is from God. But all I'm also saying, sometimes I think we are complicating it when Jesus has already given us an instruction and then we're trying to find all these other different ways because we do not have clarity that we totally trust him. Peace. Be healed. He says simple thing in this season that is very complicated. And just receive it when he speaks it. Just a couple of more. In the book of John, it says that three to four miles in John 6, they rode against the wind. How many of you have some winds that are against you this season? Just wave to me. Something of opposition it is happening everywhere. Winds that is trying to stop you. And it is hard. And there's been this battle fatigue. That's why I believe the first storm we need to learn how to rest. So in the next one, we go to war. 
from a place of rest. And rest becomes a weapon of warfare. So when we are rowing against that wind, coming against what the enemy means, you're not going to stop me to get to the other side because I'm realizing the one that says, let us go to the other side. He has something very special for me on the other side. I don't know what it is, but I know that I can trust him for what it is. And I would have never seen the breakthrough. I wouldn't have seen the president of Pakistan. The doors wouldn't have been open. I wouldn't have seen this girl dancing in Cuba if I allowed a wind when it was coming against me for me to retreat and wonder if it is the devil. Jesus made them. It didn't say the devil made them. So in this boat, heading towards the other side, there's something beautiful for us. There's something beautiful for the church. And I just even felt it in the spirit during the worship. I, I went down on my knees because I saw this river. And last time I was here, I saw this river was just flowing here. But I saw it was touching the feet last time, but this time it was touching your knees. And I know that uh, those who are thirsty come and drink. And from your innermost being, there's going to be rivers starts to flow from your life. But I also know to be in the river is to be in God. To drink the river is to drink from God. And there's this river that's coming from the temple in this season. But I saw it was touching the knees that both intercession is going to be a season. But I felt this next month you're going to see it's going to rise and rise. And it's going to touch your reproductive system. And you're going to see new life is going to come about as a result. But I saw it was already on your knees. And I think your tears is producing rain. Don't underestimate your tears in this season because it is producing rain. But make sure that the, the eternal becomes your internal in this season. Could I say that one more time? Make sure that the eternal becomes your internal realm. Because there's a lot of things that doesn't make sense here if you don't see the big picture. There's a lot of things in this world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and he began to sink, crying out, save me. I want to just to put a couple of things here about this walking on water. I believe that Peter walked quite a bit on water. I have a reason to believe that based upon the scripture. I don't believe he only just took a step and then whoo, he got overwhelmed and he started to sink. But what I believe what was happening is because the Bible is very clear that all the disciples, when they see this ghost from a distance, when they see this ghost there, somehow later on when Jesus reaches out his hand, he must have been close enough to Jesus for Jesus to reach the hand. That means there has been some distance between him and Jesus that has met. Can you see that? So when he is there, but so he has actually taken some of those steps. But when he started getting overwhelmed again by the circumstances, he started to sink. And sinking is not bad. And I want to create a culture here. And I want to celebrate a culture here at Northland. I want to see a culture here where we are celebrating people. Even if you're stepping out, you're not the false prophet that if you are prophesying and it didn't happen. The humility coming in, you are a wrong prophet, but not the false prophet. Okay. And you're not a wrong healer if you lay hands on the sick and they don't recover. And you're not a false evangelist if you're sharing the gospel and they don't get saved. So what I'm saying it is the area of humility that we can say, no, I, I maybe we're sinking that time. But I kept my eyes on Jesus. And without faith, it is impossible to please Him. And I'd rather choose to be a faith pleaser of Him. And I have sink more than most people have sink. Yeah. 
Some people see when I hit the home run, but I missed many, many more times than I've scored. But I've chosen a lifestyle, and I want to encourage you, you're going to see twice as much healings and prophecies and breakthroughs if you're just willing to take that risk of just stepping out. Put your eyes on Jesus. But here's one more. The faith is here, and his faith was low. But I want you also to see, and this is part of this culture, the grace is connected to the faith. Understanding it is the grace of Jesus. So when you are sinking, you need to understand grace. Are you getting me? The faith is not enough for this season. We need grace. And I do not, I have more faith in His grace, knowing that even when I'm sinking, I'm reaching out a hand, and there's some of you tonight, this morning, and I just felt that. Do you feel you're sinking? You're drowning. And all it takes for you is to reach out the hand, knowing that you can trust Him, and knowing that His grace is sufficient for you, knowing that He is right there, near enough to you. You can't do that on a distance. And the intimacy in this season of you getting close enough to Jesus and when you are sinking, knowing that he is just going to take his hand. And he is going to lift you up. I want us to stand to our feet. Oh. I had eight pages that I took last night, and I only took a few of them. It is on the fourth watch. How many of you are in the fourth watch? I think many of us are. It's kind of the last moment. For some it is finances, some it is health, some it is relationship. It's in the last moment. Why didn't you do it in the first? Because he's teaching us to trust him. And I remember, and I'm going to, two small little story, and I'm going to close with that. But one of them was, I had a close best friend who traveled with me for 15 years. His name was Todd Bevan. He was my armor bearer. It was like Paul and Barnabas. It would be like Jonathan it probably is better, and David. And everywhere around the world, we were supposed to do everything together. He had cancer, and make the story short. One day, he called me. He was eaten up by cancer, and he says, Papa Leif, he called me Papa. He said, I, I, I always said that I trusted him. But the reality, until I just got the last diagnosis, I've tried the chemo, I've tried radiation, I've done everything there is, and I'm eaten up by cancer. It has my lungs, it has my li- it has everything. And there's absolutely nothing anybody can do. And he said, I thought that I trusted him when I traveled with you to Pakistan, traveled with you to Mozambique, traveled with you to Cuba, all over the world. But he said, how could I say that I trusted him when there is something else I could trust in? And he said, this is the first time in my life I can say that I don't have any plan B, it's only plan A. I can trust him. I can trust him. He trusts him. He's in heaven today. He totally trusted him to the end. I don't have an answer for what happened there, but what I learned from Todd is that when there's all these other things, and he's allowing us to remove away a lot of other things and other options, we have to keep our eyes on him and totally, totally trust him. And my friend Bill Johnson, as many of you know, he's been fighting with Benny, and I stay in touch with him three, four times a week, and it's been so painful to watch, but he describes in one of the messages, he said, it felt like for four months there's big, this big bold and this big rock, and I've been pushing against the rock. 
and the rock is not moving. And I'm pushing and pushing and pushing, praying and crying out and doing everything. But the reports are not good and you push. And he says, it feels like nothing is happening. But he says, something is happening. We're building muscles we didn't have before. We're building perseverance. There's all these nutrients we're getting in this season. There's all these things that we're getting in the storm. There's these things that God is putting in us to prepare us, that the nutrients that we need for the other side. He's doing something in you. The place of total surrender is the place of exchange. And this is the time to be free. There's a fresh outpouring of the Spirit here this morning. And He's inviting you to trust Him. The one, some of you need to learn how to rest in that storm. But for some of you that are about to give up, it is time to row against the wind. Don't give up. Hold on. After the breakdown, there is a breakthrough. And then there's some of you, you're sinking, and He's there with His hand right now. And He's about His grace. Is there available for you? Your faith or lack of faith maybe got you walking or sinking, but His grace is going to sustain you. Right. Holy Spirit, I just thank you for Northland and I thank you for the water level that has touched a walk the way we walk. Thank you for the water level that is touching our knees or devotion or dedication or worship or intercession. Thank you in the next month as this continues to rise up, it's going to touch our loins and the reproductive system. And we're going to see, even starting to see the harvest that is coming as a result of it. You shall repower, receive this power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And I just bless many of you right now that are on a drowning season that Jesus is there. You're wondering, where are you, Jesus? I can't see you. And he said, but I can see you. And I'm actually praying for you right now. Some of you say, I don't recognize you, Jesus. You look like a ghost to me right now. But if it is, if, even if that's the little faith you have, if is enough. What if this is Jesus and today you will be healed, even if you waited for 20 years? So instead of what if not, what if? Take risk. Step out of the boat. Put your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Holy. Father, we bless everybody in the room. We release, Lord, the waves of your grace and of your peace and a fresh infilling of your spirit and an empowering, Lord. We release an anointing to go out into this world and make a difference. We release your kindness and your smile in your favor. And I thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name.